Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Got three scriptures I want to read for you tonight. Jeremiah 32, 27 says this, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Then he asks a question, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Job chapter number five, verse number eight says, but if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Anybody believe that tonight? Last one, Ephesians chapter number three, verse number 20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more Then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk from this idea. I want to talk about the way of miracles. The way of miracles. I'm going to be really upfront with you. My, My goal, my prayer, my desire for you tonight is to believe God for miracles in your life and to turn your faith and your spiritual eyes towards God doing the miraculous. I want to talk about miracles tonight. My premise is this. I'm going to start out with this. Here's my first point this evening, is that God is a God of miracles. And the Christian faith is a faith of miracles. Okay, so I'm, I'm launching from that foundation. That is the assumption I'm working with tonight. That is our, our launching pad, our starting blocks, that God is a God of miracles and the Christian faith is a faith of miracles. Can I get an amen? amen? I know for a lot of you, you might hear that, and you might be like, yes, amen, I'm with you. And you're already with me, and God's a God of miracles, and I'm glad, that's awesome. But for some of you, uh, you, you may be a little hesitant to that, like, I, I don't know about the miracles thing. Like, I, I just don't know about the miracles thing. Like, I, I haven't really seen it. I've kind of heard some things, but I don't really know if it's legit or not. Like, I, I'm, like, I get faith in God, but I'm not sure on the miracles. And if, if I could talk to you for a second, um, if you're a Christian and you're saying, hey, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really sure on the miracles, may I remind you of what you believe as a Christian? All right, here's, here's a brief, very brief. This is like cliff notes, cliff notes, cliff notes. This is a brief flyover of what Christians believe. Christian, Christian faith 101. Just a few things from the cliff notes. Here's what you believe if you're a Christian. You believe that God made the world ex nihilo. It's Hebrew for out of nothing. That God spoke and from nothing became everything. God created it in six days. You believe that. You believe that God created man from the dust and he gave him his breath that gave him life. You believe as a Christian that man sinned against God and sin entered the world, yet God had a plan of redemption for his people. You believe that there was an elderly man named Abram who had a wife named Sarai and God promised them that they would make a great nation in spite of their age and their lack of children at the time. You believe that God took that couple in their old age and made a nation from them. 
You believe that that nation uh, began to suffer in Egypt. They were being ruled in Egypt, and God raised up a deliverer named Moses to go and perform signs and wonders and brought his people out from Egypt with his mighty hand and parted waters to get them out. You believe that if you're a Christian. You believe that prophets of old prophesied about the coming Messiah, and after hundreds of years of silence, an angel shows up to an engaged virgin teenager and tells her she will get pregnant with the Son of God. You believe that? And you believe that that teenager did give birth to God's Son, and men, grown men of power and influence came and worshipped that child. That's what you believe if you're a Christian. You believe that that child named Jesus, that he grew up and he grew up into a man and he began to recruit people to be a part of his group. He pulled them out of the fishing industry and tax collectors and a group of misfits, a group of social outcasts. God called them and with that group, this man Jesus preached and performed signs and wonders that are well documented by reliable historical sources. Lame people walked. Dead people were raised to life. Hungry crowds, they were fed. Blind people began to see. Jesus was crucified on a sinner's cross between two convicted criminals. His body was placed in a tomb and a stone was rolled in front of that tomb. Christians believe that. We believe that three days later, he rose from the dead, the stone was rolled away, and he appeared in the flesh to his disciples. We believe that. We believe that he commissioned them And and he's back to life now. He commissions them, and then before their eyes, he ascends back to the Father. We believe that. And that group of people go and wait in an upper room. The Spirit of God pours out on them. They're filled with the Spirit, and the church age begins. We believe that since that day, the gospel message has yet to be stopped, and it has spanned the globe, and it's why we're here in, on Parham Road on a Wednesday night talking about it, because that message, that day, there has been no amount of persecution in world history that has stopped it. There has been no tyrannical, political uh, people that have been able to stop it, the church and the message of the gospel moves on. And we believe that the church now eagerly awaits he's coming back again. Okay, if you're a Christian, you believe that. And you don't believe in miracles? Like the whole thing is miracles. (laughs) This whole thing is miracles. The the entire book, our our faith is a faith of miracles. The very event that our faith hangs upon is a miraculous event. It is a resurrection faith. God is a God of miracles. The Christian faith is a faith of miracles. So it's always so comical to me to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't do the miracles. I'm like, what? what The whole thing is miracles. That's what we believe. That's what... Our faith is in the God of the Bible who is a miracle-working God. So I'm operating this evening on the foundation that our God is a miracle-working God. God's a miracle-working God. He can do the miraculous. I'm operating from the foundation this evening that nothing is too hard for God. And I'd like to challenge you in your faith tonight 
to say you, you ought to be believing God for some things in your life that are honestly kind of laughable. Like you just should because with God nothing's impossible. If God's the God of miracles, like why, why, why would I lower the bar on what I believe God for in my life? If he's the God of the universe and the God of miracles, like I should be believing God for some things that I'm a little hesitant to tell people because they might think I'm crazy. But God's the God of miracles. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to challenge you tonight, get your faith up, get your faith up because God is the God of miracles. Now specifically tonight, I'm gonna answer the question, how does God do miracles? He does miracles. He's a miraculous God. Our faith is a faith of miracles. But how does God do miracles? How does he do it? And I'm gonna really try to make something that's not simple, simple tonight, because I know this is, <laughs> we could hear. I'm gonna do a, a three-year series on how God does miracles, because it could be a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to simplify as much as I can tonight. And I've, I've pulled it really into three different categories or three different ways biblically that I see God do miracles. And I'm convinced God is doing and will do miracles in all three of these ways in our lives. And I'm hoping to tune your spiritual eyes to see it and to believe God for it tonight, okay? So how does he do miracles? The first way God does miracles, there is my voice cracking. It's okay. I'm 30 years old. <laughs> number one, number one. Nobody noticed till I said it, huh? I noticed it, so I just wanted to call it out. <laughs> How does God do miracles? Number one, he does it through processes and over time. God does miracles through processes and over time. God's kingdom is not technological, it's agricultural. All right, it's really important. The kingdom of God does not operate technological, it operates agricultural. Which means, just by definition, it goes very against our culture because our culture is very tech-driven, tech technology-driven. Like, I'm, I'm thankful for technology, uh, as I'm sure a lot of us are. It makes a lot of things easier. But the, the spirit and the heart behind technologically operating is quick, now, efficient, new, upgrade, discard the old, find the new, cut out the inefficient, find the efficient, quick, quick, quick. Like, I love, um, I love some good books. And so if I'm talking to somebody, actually a few of you asked me a few weeks ago for some book recommendations at the beginning of the year. And I was like, yeah, I love that. I got book recommendations for days. I love books. And, but I'm, I'm talking to people and if they're telling me about a good book they've read and in the conversation, they've convinced me to read it where I'm hearing about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna read that book. I'll actually stop them. I'll be like, hold that thought. I'll pull open my phone. I'll pull up Amazon Prime, boom, 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 boom. And in the conversation, I'll go ahead and order it and be like, I'm gonna start it tomorrow. And then I'll be like, continue. Like right there, it, it is so quick. It is so efficient. In a conversation, I can pause for 60 seconds and have a book ordered to my doorstep tomorrow. It's great. It's amazing. It's technological. It's quick. It moves. It's efficient. It's next up, next up, next up. Get rid of the old. It's, it's too slow, right? Like, man, where's, where's the internet here? This is crazy. This app took more than a, a second and a half to load. It's terrible. You know, it's like we're just quick, 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 quick. But the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is not like that at all. The kingdom of God is a lot more, we see this in the parables and the words of Jesus, it's a lot more agricultural than technological. So what is agricultural? Well, the farmer has to ask himself and assess where he's at and ask himself, what season is it? 
What's the season? Okay, it's, it's time to plant. Let's get some seed and let's, let's plant and let's turn the soil and let's tend it and let's, let's water it. It's planting season. And what do you do after you plant? I just planted it today. What do you do? Well, uh, I, it's, it's, wait, it's waiting season. <laughs> you just planted it. Go get the fruit. Well, I, it, I just put it in the ground. What season is it? It's, it's harvest season, so now I've got to roll my sleeves up. I've got to go reap the harvest. I've got to go get it out. I've got to wait. I've got to, I've got to ask myself, what season is it? No farmer expects harvest while he's throwing seed. No farmer expects harvest when he knows he should be waiting. He expects harvest when it's harvest season. And when it's harvest season... He knows he's not putting out seed. Depending on what season, you know the season, then you know what to do, you know what to expect. You know there's seasons of work and seasons of rest, seasons where the soil is producing a lot and seasons where the soil is resting and the soil is being turned over and it's getting some downtime. There's seasons of abundance and seasons of lack. There's winter and there's spring. There's summer and there's fall. It's agricultural. There is a rhythm and a flow And God does miracles through processes and over time. Here's what Galatians 6, verse number 7 says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I love this. Paul is saying, hey, you will reap what you sow. And he puts a disclaimer before it. He says, don't be deceived. In other words, he knows you're going to read this and think it doesn't apply to you, and you'll be deceived. You're going to see this and think that you won't reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. What you put in the ground is what's going to come out of the ground. What you sow, you will reap. He's talking agriculture. He's talking time. God does miracles through a process. He does miracles over periods of time. He does miracles throughout seasons. God is not in as big of a hurry as you are. He's just not. He he exists in time with us, but he's also outside of time. And God's just not in as big of a hurry as we are. God can do miracles over time. I can think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. Gets a dream. He's going to be in a place of power. He's going to be in a place of authority. He's going to have people that are serving him. Think about Joseph. And Joseph's dream, it is a miracle. This guy Joseph ends up where he ends up. That is a, a miracle. Joseph is in charge of the land. Joseph has the power. Joseph has the authority to provide for his family and the nation. Joseph did it. It's a miracle. How did Joseph get there? Well, he was abandoned by his family and thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery and worked at Potiphar's house. And then when he was there, he was falsely accused of sexual harassment and immorality, tossed into a jail. When he was in the jail, he was forgotten about and just tossed to the, 
to the side and, and years and trials and struggles and hardship and abandonment and lies and years and, and, and tears. And, oh, and then he gets there. How does, God, how does God get him there? Over time? In a process? It's no less miraculous just because it took time. It's no less miraculous just because there was a process that God used to bring about the miracle of doing what he wanted to do. I think about Jesus. Even Jesus himself speaks to the fact that God is a God of process. Jesus did not come as a 30-year-old. He could have. He could have came as a 30-year-old. Hey, everybody, here's who I am. Here's the ways of the kingdom. I'm the son of God. Cross, tomb, resurrection in, in a few days. Like, no, he didn't come as a 30-year-old. He came as a baby. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. And he, he, he was raised as a child. And he grew up into a man. And in the time that God had with the Father's will and the Father's timeline, he fulfilled the will of God. Even the story and person of Jesus is demonstrating the fact that God is a God of process and seasons and time. And he gets his work done, not always with the snap of a finger, but he gets his work done through processes through time and so many of us are looking for the quick miracle and the quick flash from heaven and we miss the fact that God is working miracles over time like for some of you you're you're in the middle of miracles right now there have been miracles in your life in the last 12 months and you've missed them because it hasn't been in the form you've been looking for it in God, God's doing it over time. He's doing it over time. Just because God takes some time to do it doesn't mean it's a junior varsity miracle. <laughs> doesn't mean it's a second grade miracle. It doesn't mean it's not, it's any less miraculous or it's any less God. God does things over time. The miracles over time, they don't make the headlines. The miracles over time don't make you know, the greatest, awesome, most amazing stories that you can just tell in an elevator kind of stories. It's, it's not that, but it's just as much the hand of God as the ones that happen quick. Oftentimes, get this, it's the process that's actually protecting you. Oftentimes, the, the process is an act of provision and protection of God in your life as he brings about a miracle over time. There's a story of God's people in Exodus 23. God is bringing his people into the promised land and he is driving out the enemies one by one. There, there are before him the uh, Hittites, the Canaanites, and God is getting ready to drive them out. But here's what God tells his people in Exodus 23, verse 29. I will not drive them out in a single year. Just, it's understood he could do that. Very capable. This is not God saying like, oh man, that's, that's really hard. I don't think I'm going to be able to fit that in. You know, he's, he's saying, no, I, I'm, not, I'm choosing to not do this. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. So he's like, if I, if I drove them all out now, it would swallow you. That miracle today would be too big for you to steward where you're at. Can't handle that yet. So verse 30, little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take the land. 
So he said, hey, I'm, I'm doing miracles in progress because that's all you can take right now. I'm doing miracles over time because I'm protecting you from a blessing turning into a burden. If, if I drove them out all at one time, you wouldn't be able to take the land. God is saying, my, my process, my time is actually my protection and my provision of you in this season. Look, if you're trying to rush God for a miracle, it will be to your own detriment. He, he's working, but he's using time and he's using process in your life to bring it about. And it's no less miraculous and it's no less special just because it takes time. It's like steps. I think about it like steps. I know it's a little dark over here, but I'm gonna, you know, like we see in the Proverbs that God orders the steps of the righteous. God orders the steps of the righteous. Our, our, our faith is often in steps. And so how does God work miracles? Well, it's it's step. I'm gonna take a step this year. I'm gonna take a step this month. I'm gonna take a step in this season. And I, I don't know how long I'm gonna be on here. In fact, I don't even know where the next step is, but I'm taking the one right in front of me and I'm trusting God and I'm gonna just take the next step. And then after that, I'm gonna take another step. And over time, God is bringing me on a process as I take the next step he's leading me into as I'm walking in obedience. All of a sudden, I can look back and God has done something miraculous in my life. Why? Because he's just done it in steps. He's done it in seasons. There was a season of, of seed hitting the ground. There was a season of, of the soil being turned. There was a season of water and rain. And then there became a season of harvest. And in the season of harvest, you can look back at all the steps and say, wow, look at the hand of God in the process. God does miracles over time. So if, if, if he works like this, what do we need to do? Ready? What do we need to do? Forgive me for my simplicity tonight. Forgive me for my simplicity. Here's what we need to do. Keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Just stay in the game. Just keep staying faithful. Just keep putting yourself in the process of God, obeying God, serving God, and trust that over time God does miraculous things through processes. Are you with me this evening? Number two, the second way God performs miracles is through our obedience. Through our obedience. Okay, so there's something, uh, there's a few like, Theological terms, uh, this can be a theology 101 little Bible school class tonight. Um, every single person alive today experiences to an extent the grace and the mercy and the blessing of God. This is what theologians call common grace. Common grace. Here's what common grace is. Um, if you're a sinner or a saint, if you're righteous or unrighteous, if you're righteous or wicked, it doesn't matter. If you've got breath in your lungs, like that is a great, that is common grace. God is giving, like every breath is from God. And God's just not letting saints and Christians breathe. Everybody that's alive right now is breathing. They're experiencing common grace. Common grace. If there's a sunset one evening and it looks beautiful, like how many know Christians and non-Christians can see that and be like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's really cool, right? That's common grace. Common grace. So there are blessings and mercies and uh, great things that everybody can experience just because God is so good and so gracious and so loving that there's common grace for every single person. Every single person can eat a good steak and be like, man, that's a good steak in Jesus' name. That's common grace. That's common grace, okay? But there's a different kind of blessing that is only for those people who love God and obey God. 
So everybody gets to experience common grace, but there are blessings and miracles that God has reserved for those who obey him, period. So if you obey him, you partake in the reward of the obedience that God asks you to do. If you don't obey him, you do not get the reward of obeying him. Is this, is this good? Is this a little simple tonight? So, so there are blessings and miracles that God has in our life through our obedience. Here's what he tells his people, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you fully obey the Lord, all right, that's obedience, that's action, that's lifestyle, and carefully follow all his commands, again, obedience, action, lifestyle, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. That's, that, that, that's a contingency, if then. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then this will happen. He says two chapters later, in chapter number 30, the Lord your God will make you the most prosperous in all the work in your hands and the fruit of your womb, livestock, crops of the land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. Okay, so there's the blessing. There's what God's gonna do. He's gonna make you fruitful. He's gonna make you prosperous. Verse 10, ready? If... If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in the book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. So here's the blessing. Here's the miracles you're gonna experience. Here's what I have for you. If you obey. That's to say, if not, you won't. It's not, it's not God punishing. It's just God saying like, if you choose something else, you get something else. He's, he's, he's taking his hand off saying, if you choose that, you get that. But if you choose me, here's what you get. We see this over and over again. I'm gonna try to drive this home tonight. Isaiah chapter one, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat good things in the land. If you're willing and obedient, here's, here's what I'll do. Isaiah 48. It's kind of a rebuke here now. He says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river and your well-being like waves of the sea. Like, hey, if you would have obeyed, if you would have paid attention to what I said, there would have been a different reward and miracle and blessing for you, but because you didn't, you missed it. Say, Pastor Nate, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm, okay, here we go. John 21. <laughs> John 21, Jesus is looking at his, his disciples. They've been out on the boat fishing all night, haven't caught anything. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Like, you, you, you have nothing? Do this. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. So like, do this, here's what you got for obedience. If they didn't do it, guess what they got? Nothing. Like, there, there are miracles and blessings for God's children that are contingent upon obedience to him. And I'm not preaching a works-based salvation here. I'm not preaching you earn your way to God and you earn salvation and you are your own righteousness and self-righteousness. We're saved by grace and grace alone. We're saved by the work Jesus did on the cross. But as his kids, if we're going to experience all he has for us, much of it is contingent upon will you obey him? Will you obey him? God is inviting our involvement and participation in our relationship with him. So you don't get God's results without God's process. You, you don't get a godly marriage if you don't build it God's way. 
You, you don't get the mind of Christ if you don't fill your mind and your heart with God's word. You, you don't get healing and freedom in your heart if you cling to unforgiveness for decades. You, you want the result God has, but you have to get it in the process God has laid out. So, so we walk in obedience to God. To, to not obey God, it's actually a faith issue because if you claim to be a follower of Christ, here we go, Wednesday night, you ready? If you claim to be a follower of Christ, but you don't obey his word, and I'm not talking about struggling, I'm talking about blatantly like no thanks. Like I know what God says, but no thanks. If you do that, here's really what you're saying. You're saying, God, I know better than you, so I choose my way, not yours. It's really a lack of faith in God's goodness, in God's power, because what you're declaring over yourself is, I'm God, I know better, so I'll do my way over his. Yet then we still want the result and the blessing of God's way. It's really you not believing God in his word that they are best. And just like the process is God's protection, God's instruction is for your protection. God's instruction is for your blessing and for your protection. I wanna say that again. God's instruction is for your blessing and for your protection. Come on, parents, you know this. Your instruction for your kids is for their protection. Your instruction for your kids is for their protection. And you know as a parent, if you can't instruct them, you can't protect them. Silas, Silas, buddy, don't break dance on the glass table. <laughs> don't do that, buddy. Hey, Silas, don't, don't jump up and down on the glass coffee table. Don't break dance on the coffee table, right? That's my instruction as a father, what? To protect him. If he can't heed my instruction, I lose my ability to protect him. God's, God's instruction is for the protection of his kids. So God blesses his people. God's got, God's got blessings on the other side of obedience to him. And he, here's why. Because God created you. He created me. He created life. And he knows how it best works. And when you, and when you obey, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're using your life and, and everything God has given you in the way it was designed, which leads to human flourishing. There's just blessing there. There's blessing there that's not there when you don't walk in obedience to God's word. So what do we do to get the miracles from God from his word? It's really simple. We just obey. Obey. There's miracles on the other side of your obedience. There's, there's things God can do. There's things God has for you on the other side of you obeying. So God, he does miracles over time. He does miracles in process. He does miracles through our obedience. And the third thing is this. I'm going to ask the team to come join me here in a second. Or you can come join me right now. The third way God does miracles is suddenly and supernaturally. God does miracles suddenly and supernaturally. I reject the notion that all growth in my life has to be in steps. I reject the, I reject the notion that every single bit of increase or growth in my life has to be steps, I believe sometimes it can be in leaps. I believe sometimes that the growth and what God wants to do in my life is not addition, it's multiplication. I believe that sometimes the growth God wants to bring about in me and through me is not incremental growth, 
It's exponential growth. And now is this how God operates all the time? No, but I reject the notion that every single thing God does in my life has to just be the next step. I believe God can take me leaps and bounds. Believe that he can multiply, not always just add. He can exponentially do works in my life. Because here's what I know about my life and your life. Sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes the thing you're believing God for, you hear it's a process and you say, I don't have time for a process. So I, I do know God works in seasons, but I need him to work right now. I do know God uses my obedience and I've been faithful and I've turned from every sin the Spirit has convicted me of and I'm living as holy and righteous as I can before God and I'm walking in obedience but there's this thing in front of me and there's nothing I can do. There's nothing anybody else can do. I need God and I need God now. I need God and I need God supernaturally. I need him now. And the good news is God does miracles suddenly and supernaturally. He does it like that. Acts chapter 3, there's a man, we talked about him this fall as we began the book of Acts. There's a man who was lame from birth. Scholars believe at least four decades this man has been out there begging at the temple gates, asking for alms, asking for help. He made his living by that because he could not do it any other way. Acts chapter 3, verse 7, Peter and John come, says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And what is that word? Ready? Instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong. This, this Greek text here is, is Luke, the Dr. Luke, describing medically his bones and his joints and, and his tendons are strengthening and shifting in a way they never have before. He's describing here a medical miracle as he stands up at the temple gates for the first time in his life. How many know that wasn't a process? How many know that was not due to his obedience? How many know that was suddenly and supernaturally? God did it. I think about Zacchaeus. I think about Zacchaeus, who is a crook. He is a liar. He is a thief. He is self-centered. He is self-focused. His heart is bent in and nowhere else. He is the God of his own life. He sits on the throne of his own heart, and he climbs a tree one day, and in Luke 19, Jesus comes upon him while he's climbing this tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down, what? Immediately. I must stay at your house. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Verse number eight, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Look, instantly heart transformed. Like, like he, he, he meets Jesus, he has this encounter with Jesus, and who knows how long he had been lying and stealing and manipulating people, taking advantage of people, uh, lording over them with his power that he had. Who, who knows? But in a moment, soft heart, generous hands, repentant spirit. Lord, if I've done anything wrong, how many know that? That's not, that's not addition, that's multiplication. How many know that's not a process? That is, that is instant, sudden transformation, miracle power working of God. Some miracles God does are suddenly and supernaturally. God, through his power, through his mighty hand, has the ability to, in 12 months, make up losses that you've been taking for a decade. 
He has the ability to mend some brokenness in one season that has been chipping away at you for many seasons. He's got the ability to do it suddenly and supernaturally. Look, for some of you, maybe in your mental health, you, you're, you're doing everything you know to do and you're seeing counseling and you're getting help and you're filling your life with God's scriptures and you're doing all that you can and you're walking blameless before God and I believe God can work that in a process but I also believe suddenly and supernaturally God can make up the difference in a lot of things and, and see quick improvement, sudden improvement, exponential improvement. So what do we do to see God move suddenly and supernaturally? We pray and we believe. Because guess what? That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You can pray and believe, God, I believe over time you're working something in me. God, I'm, I'm obeying you and I believe I'm gonna see the fruits from that. But God, there's also some things, Lord, I just need you to do. There's also some things I just can't do on my own. There's also some things that are, are bigger and greater than me. And so, Lord, I pray and I believe that you're the God of miracles. And maybe just maybe like in Acts chapter three, maybe just maybe like in Luke 19, we can see some sudden, some supernatural breakthrough in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.